Hello, guys, and welcome to the Shrewsbury Biscuit Podcast. I'm Alex Whiteley. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, we've got a great interview to bring you today, um, and I want to say thank you to Andy McEwen for setting this up, a mutual friend between today's guests and I. Um, and today, I'm speaking to John Rag, who has an amazing exhibit at um, at the Hive right now. Um, and I've just been and, and I record. There is a video of of the visual representations of John's work on our TikTok channel. So. And, and on YouTube too, so p- feel free to take a look at that. But um, you should definitely, before we go into this, um, this podcast, or even while you listen to it, just give John a bit of a Google, John Rag, W-R-A-G-G, and look at his work because it is phenomenal. Blew my mind. Uh, so thank you for joining the show today, John. How are you? Thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, let's start off with um, young John. Uh, where's, where, does, where does young John come from? Where, where, where do you originate? And uh, what were you like as a, as a youngster? Uh, I was uh, born in Stockport, Cheshire, uh, and brought up uh, nearby in uh, a village called Hazel Grove. Uh, and I got into uh, being interested in art very early age. Um, Is it something I, that just grabs you? Yeah, it, it was something I was naturally uh, had, obviously had uh, ability in. Yeah, it's what they call a vocation or a calling. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And um, at school, primary school, secondary school, I was one of those kids who was known to be good at art, which was quite handy, really, because I was lousy at maths and most of the other academic subjects, so I used to be able to get deals with... I'd do their art homework if they'd help me out, that kind of thing. Oh, nice. Uh, I was very interested in uh, American comics. I mean, I'm going back to the 50s when American culture was probably a lot more exotic or seems so than it is today. Okay. But I was very interested in American comics because it was quite different to English comics which were available, the style, the way they were drawn. The whole the whole business was uh, very appealing to me. So, what kind of comics would you read when you were younger? Uh, I was particularly interested in uh, DC and Marvel comics. Okay, and I still am. Uh, they were the sort of benchmark. The arts changed very much, hasn't it, over the years? It has. Uh, I think uh, for the worse. Uh, I, I I like the sort of fifties sixties style. And I like the paper that they were printed on. You know, I, I don't like that shiny... It's quite coarse, isn't it, the old paper? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah. quite coarse and uh, seems to really work well with that Bende dot system that they used, you know, which was taken up by, obviously, Liechtenstein in his pop artwork. And you don't see that so much now in the modern comics, the modern, yeah, the yeah. modern versions. So I started off really by copying... Um, stuff from those comics. That's interesting, yeah. Um, because they are wonderfully drawn. And um, I was also very taken with the adverts that you got in those comics at the time. You used to get this page of adverts with all sorts of amazing offers. And you'd often see art courses advertised with a little drawing of what you could expect to get if you signed up like a drawing table and... I remember applying for one, even though I lived in, you know, Hazel Grove in England. Never got a reply. <laughs> so what I did was I ended up building my own. Wow. And uh, set that up in the bedroom, which I guess was my first studio. And then I got a shed in the garden and one thing led to another. Didn't blow anything up there, and if you know any crazy experiments whilst you're working with art and things. Oh gosh, <laughs> no, engineering. No, no. no, nothing like that. No, I was just drawing and uh, painting. I, I have my, my my son um is fifteen. Um, hi Alfie. Um, he has um suddenly found out he's very good at at drawing. Like it sounds it sounds like a crazy concept, but he's just, it's just some some just clicked. We went to um Comic Salopia. Um, he's a huge uh, Walking Dead fan. He met Charlie Adlard oh, right. and my good friend Mike Perkins as well. Right. And um, Charlie was very nice, and we had guest badges. Uh, the, sorry, press badges. And on his press badge, he drew um, one of the characters from The Walking Dead. Charlie did. And Alfie's gone home with this 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 bit of art, this tiny little bit of art that he's got, 
and it's just blown his world. It's absolutely just made him. And now he's he's going out there, he's drawing pictures of Negan uh, from the, the Walking Dead and characters, and he's, he's perfectly imitating this art. He's now drawing animation. And I've had to write to, to Mike Perkins, uh, DC artist, local, um, very nice guy. If you haven't met him, you should definitely, uh, he's a re- really good guy. Um, and I said to him, what, what do I do with this? Like, what do I do with this? And he's like, just get him to draw. He's like, um, you know, still life or life drawings, perfect. Draw hands, draw face. Just absolutely. get him to sit and draw. Is that what you recommend for young people? I, 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 absolutely, especially um, in the time we live in. Um, art schools have completely changed. Um, in many art schools, drawing isn't even taught it's not considered necessary and uh, obviously i'm of a certain age i disagree with that entirely i think that drawing is the backbone uh, of the whole business because it's not just about drawing it's about learning to see to see like an artist sees wonderful so you need to draw anything and everything uh, that's what happened to me i mean i I, went, I got beyond the comics i started going out drawing from uh, nature from real life uh, I draw from anything uh, I just love the whole process of it and um, when I was 11 years old uh, my grandmother who was uh, I think I was telling you before we started this big influence in my life um, took me to uh, Bellevue Zoo in America in uh, in Manchester, which existed at the time. It doesn't any longer. It's uh, it's been scrapped. But when we got there, uh, I noticed all these um, young uh, uh, boy, uh, young teenagers sat around with boards in front of them in various locations, drawing. And I just wondered what they were doing. So I wandered up to one particular chap who seemed amenable, looking over his shoulder and asked him what he's doing. And he said, oh, we're uh, art students from um, Stockport, um, Stockport College, which is nearby. And I said, art students? Uh, yes, we're, we're studying art and this is part of our course. And I said, you mean you can actually go to a special place to study art? Oh, bless you. <laughs> And it was a revelation, and um, I, I knew immediately that was for me. That's what I wanted to do, and that's what I did. Yeah, uh, you know, I think it still it still happens today, doesn't it? Where um, you know, kids are like, "No, you've got to be a doctor. You've got to be this. You've got to be a policeman. You've got to you've got to get in business. You've got to become a plumber. You've got to do this. You've got to, got to, got to. You've got to have a a qualification or it, 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 that fits in with society." No, I feel like you've you followed your heart, and like it's it's nice that you were able to do that because there's a lot of pressure out there for if we did, did not do that, isn't there? No, my parents were very understanding. That's nice. Yeah, that's nice. That's good. Um, they never tried to deter me from what I wanted to do. Quite the opposite. That's lovely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's good that you did that. I mean, once you once you did go to college, once you were in that zone, did you feel like that was part of you then? That was like that you on your journey, or was it? Well, initially, I went. Uh, I started my art education at Salford uh, uh, School of Art, where Lowry went, and. Um, I went there on the advice of my teachers uh, from uh, grammar school who thought it would be an ideal place for me. I I must admit I should have checked it out more thoroughly. Um, What I signed up for was a vocational course and it would have led to me becoming an ergonomic designer, designing chairs and the sort of seats that go into cars. But the first year was... A foundation year where we did everything and we did a lot we did a lot of drawing we did sculpture we did you name it we did it it was a proper foundation it was very very good but when the second year started and I began to do the course that I'd signed up for I knew it wasn't for me and I'd really got into my own work I'd got my own studio where I was living in a friend's house and I was painting seriously, and I knew that I was on the wrong course. So um, I applied to go to St. Martin's in London, and uh, I got an interview, which um, surprised me. 
So I got all my work together in a folder and went down there on the bus and I got accepted. And I got accepted, as you could do in those days, on the basis of my work. I didn't have enough, I think I said earlier, my academic side was terrible. Yeah. So I just um, managed to get in on my work on the basis that during the first year there, I would have to obtain those qualifications. Wow, was that difficult for you? No, I had a friend who was a, a, an English teacher. Uh, you didn't need maths in those days, thank God, so that was okay, but I needed English language. I was very good at English literature, but English language, I couldn't get it because my grammar and the sort of that side of it was uh, something that I couldn't get the hang of. But I did get it uh, in that first year through the help of my friend, and uh, then I got onto the degree course and I ended up with a first-class honours degree. Well, congratulations. That's, that's really good. Um, you know, it's, it's nice that you, you, you just... I just... I get this image in my head of this, these these bells ringing in your ears, you know, this is what I want to do. And you're setting yourself out on that path and you work your hardest to get there and you've got it. You know, that's just a really nice... It's nice. Yeah, it's they're nice kind of what you call illuminating moments that happen in life. Yeah. They happen to many of us. Yeah. And I think that they are really significant. You know, if you don't acknowledge those, you're denying yourself uh, what you probably should be doing it's kind of what i got in my 30s with this uh, <laughs> i recorded something i heard my voice I was like, actually do you know what that's not that bad actually i'm not too bad at this yeah and, and i hear some of my interviews back and you know this is i mean i, I was talking to someone about a uh, narcissism the other day I've, I've, i remember i was listening to the radio and um somebody was like oh you shouldn't be a narcissist and then so the, the comeback was that narcissism is kind of a is a human um, instincts, natural born human instinct. You've got to be good at something. So when you are good at something, you've got to flaunt it. And I was like, that kind of makes sense, you know, because I've always been told you should be a narcissist. But if you're good at something, own it. I'm not too bad at this. Well, of course, with art, I mean, uh, you get certain artists who are purely interested in making the art. But that's only part of it. And especially these days, I mean, you've got to be. Uh, You've got to be thinking about what, where's this work going? You know, um, it's not really finished until it's seen, in my view. Exactly, yeah. Um, and what, is there a piece, um, say, after, after you finished your education? I mean, what did, you do with, what did you do with your qualification afterwards? Did you? Well, I applied to get in the Royal College, which uh, I didn't. I didn't make it. But I'd got the backup that I'd already decided that if I didn't get I, I would uh, teach. So I got a place uh, at Hornsey on a, t uh, a postgraduate teaching course, which I was entitled to do in a year after obtaining my degree, and uh, that's what I did. Oh, fantastic. And uh, I started off uh, teaching. I knew then at the time I'd be able to get work because there was a lot of part-time teaching available then in 1970. It's obviously changed a lot now. Mm. So uh, I started off teaching both in uh, secondary and I had a job teaching at Southgate uh, College as well, lecturing. And I did that for a couple of years. I, I, I was teaching at Holland Park School in London, which was the first purpose-built comprehensive school in Britain. And wow. it was absolutely massive. It had two and a half thousand uh, pupils uh, pupils in that in 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 that day wow. wow and the art department there had 14 teachers of art and the whole top floor of one of the blocks and my job was to because i'd done painting and printmaking as part as my degree i was given the job of setting up a printmaking department because that was the one facility they didn't have so i did that and uh, really enjoyed it but while i was there it was such a big school, we used to ha have a house system. So I only knew, and I didn't know all the people even in my own house, but I used to go to the st our staff room at uh, break time and have coffee. And there I met this guy who turned up who uh, was teaching part-time music. And it turned out that he was also in a band and they were rehearsing, and we used to talk about this. 
And um, I'd always been interested in music, played a bit of guitar myself, um, been, in a, been in a band when I was at Salford. And um, he said, well, why don't you come along one day and see what we're up to? And they were rehearsing. They were, they were obviously very, very serious about what they were doing. They had this rehearsal pad um, in Covent Garden, and when I got there, it was all set up as if it was for a gig. And when I heard them, I just knew they were going to be big. And it turned out they were Roxy Music. Wow. And um, one thing led to another. Um, I started helping them out doing gigs here, there, around London, local gigs. They didn't have a manager at the time. They were doing what are called agency gigs. So we, it was just a question that the agency would book a gig, you'd get there, you'd have to do everything else. So I was on that side of things. And then uh, Brian Ferry, um, who was obviously the main man, booked Stratomodium for the day and invited certain management agencies to come and see that what he did was the show, their show. And um, by the end of the day, he'd got a deal with EG Music. Wow. Uh, who had Emerson, Lake and Palmer, King Crimson. I don't know if people have heard of these bands now. You know, people, people from these bands are still around. Um, they were really big agency. And then That's the whole great. thing changed from being what it was into doing an album, uh, doing tour. And my um, my moment with that was that on the first LP, um, there's a tie, there's a, a, a track called Virginia Plain, and I had a motorbike at the time, and my motorbike's on that track because there's a particular chorus where I think it's something like "Teenage Rebel of the Week," she's so something, she's so sleek, and then you hear this motorbike revving. Well, that's my BSA Gold Star <laughs> going down Piccadilly at three o'clock in the morning because there's nothing like radio mics in those days. I've got a mic like you've got in your hand yeah. with a damn great long lead yeah. <laughs> attached to the uh, microphone on the engine of my bike. I love that. That's wonderful. And, uh, yeah. Do, do, you must take an awful lot out of that, you know, when it comes to the music industry because and there's a lot of blood, sweat and tears, a lot more blood, a lot more sweat, right? but there must be moments where the, the, the clouds sort of part and you see it for the art that it is. Yeah. You know, absolutely. And did that inspire you? Yeah, I mean, the reason I got into it um, through, as I was saying, meeting Andy Mackay at um, Holland Park was my work was going through a bit of a hiatus. I wasn't satisfied with what I was doing. So when I got the offer to work with them full time, it was absolutely opportune. And... I still scribbled away in my sketchbooks, but I wasn't doing anything ambitious. I, yeah. want, I wanted to stand back and I wanted to get some new ideas. So, as I say, one thing led to another and they got a tour for America and I'd always wanted to go to America. So I decided, because by that time I'd been with them three years and I was beginning to think, yeah, maybe, you know, enough's enough. I'd used the American trip to gather some ideas. So while I was over there, because it went for about three months, um, I just took hundreds of photographs, hundreds of photographs of all sorts of things. And I knew I was going to use those when I came back because I'd already told Brian Ferry that when the American tour was over, I wanted to finish working with the band. Got back to Heathrow uh, at the end of the tour and went to collect my bags, not there, and they were missing. All the photographs I took in America I'd had developed over there. I had three cameras, all my personal belongings, everything I'd collected on the tour in my bags. Never saw it again. Oh, that's so sad. So it was devastating, really, when I came back. Uh, I really was at a loose end for quite... This was a time you couldn't Google a picture, you know? No. These pictures of everything. No, it's all before that oh. so i lost everything all i had was the memories 
No. So I had to start again from scratch in a different direction. But do you think it's it's worthwhile that you, you had that 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 pinnacle feeling, that moment, that thought of I'm inspired here. I want to go and make something myself, and that's why you took those those photos. Do you think that motivation is is quite priceless in a, in a way? I mean, I know you didn't get your photos. You lost. That's devastating. That really is. But just that motivation. That, yeah, yeah. I was determined that I was still obviously going to you know return to what I was. I felt I was really about, <coughs> which I did. Um, I just had to take a different route. Of course. Uh, so you, you come back and then is, is this when you start making making beautiful art and, and standing there? And is it, where does the name John Bragg begin? With, uh, you know, synonymous with art? I don't... It's hard to say, really. Um, I mean, apart from... I had two layoffs from it. Uh, the first one I've just obviously talked yeah, about. Yeah. And the second one was uh, later on when I uh, studied hypnotherapy for three years and became a qualified hypnotherapist with a view to looking at it as a means of earning, quite frankly, an income after I finished teaching because I didn't feel that my pension would be enough. Can I just say, John, you're making me feel really inferior as a human being right now. <laughs> you're so well, brilliant at going and like, I do you know what? I'm gonna... I have no wish to do that. You're, no, no, no. You're, you're not. <laughs> you are so industrious. I love it, though. It's so inspiring that you're like, I'm going to I'm gonna go learn about hypnotherapy. Done. <laughs> I love it. Well, uh, it's fantastic. again, I got interested in hip, uh, hypnosis when I was at St. Martin's because you part of the programme was you had to uh, sign up to a programme of liberal studies. And uh, there was a choice of things that you could do. One of the choices was working with uh, uh, a guy who was using hypnosis uh, to um, solve design problems. And that really interested me. And it turned out that he was incredibly interesting. And I've forgotten his name, but he was working on a book using uh, hypnotic subjects to design the safest car in the world which he actually did in the end. But, I mean, it was totally unfeasible that it could be built because it would have been so expensive. Yeah, yeah. But what he had were these deep trance subjects, and he brought this particular deep trance subject called Janice uh, to one of the sessions. And what he'd asked us to do before she came was to design our ideal kitchen. So we all designed our ideal kitchens with drawings and notes, and what he did was he brought Janice and he put Janice into our kitchens through hypnosis. So she'd be trying out the kitchen that you designed, saying, yes, this, this is good, this works really, oh, I don't like this, you know. what? And that's how he was using these deep trance subjects for design. So I had this interest in uh, hypnosis and... Um, that's why I got involved in it, studying it um, for therapy uh, later on when I stood back from art for, again, a couple of years. I'm very interested in, in, in hypnotherapy and hypnosis. Um, for Pod Aid, which I mentioned before we recorded, we're speaking to Rob Chapman. Um, he's in Whitchurch. He's a um, very prominent figure in, in hypnosis in the, in the UK. And I'm really looking because I've never really, I never really sort of delved into that before. I never really had that conversation. So... You know, when you see, you know, all these these gimmicks on stage, just turn someone into a chicken and all these sort of things. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you don't want to go there. That is yeah. really, it can be very injurious, both yeah. mentally and physically. Mm. Um, He's very good at therapy. That's that's his side of things. And magic, he likes to do magic. But I'm looking forward to finding out about that. Um, but I'm I'm interested about hypnosis and art. You know, like you were just saying, because. Um, you know, I've, I've seen so many art concepts over the time when people talk about hypnosis, when they talk about music, when they talk about drugs, and, and you know the, the, the kind of mind states you put yourself in that will affect your art. Have you experimented with this over a while with hypnosis? And I never got to the stage where I did that. That's what I wanted to do, but I, I, I have to confess, I never got there. I had people who were interested in working with me to experiment, but I just didn't have the time because when I'd actually finished and became <clears throat> qualified uh, by the way you don't have to be qualified to become a hypnotherapist that's one of the I'm not sure whether that's the situation today but anybody could become a, a hypnotherapist and I think that's one of the problems with it there's a lot of people out there who are not really 
the real deal. Ah, okay. So I... Um, so, I mean, like, with, with hypnotherapy, with hypnosis, um, did that give you a chance to, while you, while you were, you know, uh, pursuing that part of your life, did that give you a chance to sort of recharge your batteries as far as uh, your art inspiration? Because we've just been looking at your art now, mm. and I'm blown away by not just the detail in the art itself, but the detail in which the art exists, if that makes sense. The little, like we were talking about, there's, um, there's an art piece to the left, and there's an art piece to the right, and you're saying that is that is this one here to the left is is as if you're standing right in the middle of this painting right here. So you've painted something, you've made something, and you've gone. I wonder what it would look like if I was standing right in the middle of this. But that that, that thought process to me is fascinating. Well, I, I, I've I've obviously seen a lot of uh, higher dimensional art by various. You know, there's a lot of artists yeah, of course, that have yeah. actually been involved in it. I mean, that was again a. Once I got into uh, the subject, I discovered there were many, many artists who uh, were or have been interested in high-dimensional geometry and high-dimensional art. Um, I just wanted to create this idea that rather than being outside these particular forms, I wanted to sense what it would be like to be inside and there, I, I hadn't seen much art from anybody that really reflected that, literally, that viewpoint. And it has occurred to me recently that with the um, uh, progression of virtual reality, yes. I'd really like to meet somebody who could create a programme. I know it could be done. Andy McEwen, uh, probably. <laughs> put somebody into a four-dimensional environment. Wow, yeah. And I think that could be very interesting. That would be brilliant. I mean, <coughs> there are so many, like, my, we've got the Oculus at home, Oculus 2. So it's VR, and you can play the games. And there's, like, there's so many things about that that so, seem so simple when you think about it, but when you're actually there and when you're doing it, it's just, it blows your mind. Um, there's, a, there's a, I love Rick and Morty. It's, a, it's an animated TV show, and it's, it's all about science. It's, it's fantastic. It's bizarre. It's wacky. Um, but there's this VR game where you can, you can be in Rick's garage um, and you can grab things and you can replicate them. So you can take something that's red and something that's blue and it'll make something purple and you put it in the scanner and it pops out and you can make all sorts of things with different parts, components of his garage. And that idea for me to do it in a virtual reality environment just blows my mind. Like you can yeah. sit there for hours just playing with that thing. I think it would be incredible. But to see the art that you've made and to walk, to walk around it. Oh. Yeah. 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 Um, and you know, there, there, there are inspir like I'm after looking at your art, I'm looking at things around this room. We are at the Hive right now in the sound room in the, in the Hive. So thank you to the Hive for letting us do this. And around us, there's there's, there's acoustic foam. There's your standard uh, bumpy pyramid style um, uh, uh, foam. And over on this on the back wall here, there's just this mountainous landscapey type foams. Um, it, almost I don't know how pyramids. to describe. Yeah, and uh, I see bits of your art in this you know and, and in that and in here it, it, you must see inspiration everywhere you go well it's curious that you you say that because what i've been doing uh, of late is is looking around for where i can see certain things around us that allude to what i've been doing yeah and i find a lot of stuff um takes me with reflection mirrors Ah. And I am working on a painting at the moment, which I actually did start 18 years ago uh, and have worked on it on and off, which is simply the uh, image of a ceiling mirror in a Chinese restaurant. So you've got the reflection in the mirror below it of what's happening the mirror itself had a design etched onto it of cranes and water lilies. So you've got that space as well. And then you've got the actual space you're stood in, which would be the space you would be in if you were actually looking at the mirror in the restaurant with a lantern hanging down into your space. And, I mean, that's essentially very simple in terms of ingredients. Mm. But when 
you start to manipulate it as an image. It's really interesting, and uh, obviously I must finish it. It's just something that I've... 18 years living inside that head of yours, you know? Uh, it's got to be released. Well, I started it 18 years ago, but, I mean, I, it's not... Uh, it's not uncommon for me to go back to things mm. over a period of time and either rejig them or rework them or reinvent them, which I'm, again, in the process of doing at the moment with a piece of work. I've got, um, I mentioned my friend, Eric Fluger. I always bring Eric up on these podcasts. Eric, you are living inside my head. You need to stop paying rent. He's a very nice guy. Um, he's one of my mentors. He's helped me through life an awful lot. And um, uh, he has painted, um, he's done many wonderful things. If you listen to the podcast Hollywood Babylon with Kevin Smith, you know straight away who, who Eric Fluger is. Um, he's famous. And he has this visual representation of the force. And it is wonderful. I will show it you at the end of the, um, I'll try and find it out. Right. And um, he did a smaller version and sent it to some people. It's a Star Wars based thing. And he won't tell me who's interested in it. In it, but he was like, "I need, I need to make it bigger, Alex. I need to make it bigger." So he's had to re-go and do it, and he started it, and it, he, I think he got like forty days into it, forty days into this thing. It's huge, and he had to put it down. Forty he's, days and forty nights. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's it's taken him about. I don't think he's finished it yet, but it's, it's taken him like ninety days, hundred. He was like, I, "I can't do it anymore." He's like, "I need to get a, a rest from this thing." It just bored inside him. Um, a hole and I, it just seems to me like he needed to take a break from it because it was just driving him insane well I'm, I'll have to check him out yeah um, uh, and this is credit to Eric because he did he put it down but then he was like I need to carry on with it and it's just a, does that happen to you do you ever start a project and it just drives you insane that you just need to put it away for a little bit absolutely yeah, yeah it's quite common um, sometimes that doesn't happen. You just sail through and the thing... Uh, that's his visual representation of the Force. Right. Of Star Wars. Um, that's just a smaller version. Of course, he's done a massive one. It's, um, and is this all painted? He uses pens normally. Um, yeah. And uh, what he does is just... And he fun. works in Shrewsbury? No, he's actually um, in Florida. In Florida. Oh, right. Quite, well, I just like... Quite, I can see quite a long way away. Yeah, yeah. He's a very nice guy, though. Um, yeah. We started doing a, a podcast called uh, Yelling... At clouds, because um, um, he's Fine. he's a bit older than me, um, and he likes to he likes the idea of having a good rant, but mainly about art and about how people perceive art, especially young people, um, and how people overlook certain things. Yeah. So we've done so many different bits of that based go, on that goes back to what I was saying to you earlier yeah. is that drawing is about teaching people to see. Yes. Not so much about. Uh, giving them the actual facility to draw. It's the facility to use their eyes and brain. And it is amazing. I mean, it's not an uncommon experience that if you're sat with your work in an exhibition, to watch, I find it fascinating watching people, how they react. I mean, a lot of people look, but they don't see. They don't see anything. And other people spend time and you can see that they really are absorbed in what is going on. And I feel like, uh, I feel like, you know, I, you know, he's talking about you, you taught students for a while and stuff. You, you've got to be, able, I'm sure without even, um, you know, you are, you are great at what you do, of course, but like you can see that. You can see that inspiration just when someone's just so focused on what they're seeing that you can see they're just, like you just said, absorbing it and becoming well, you one. Go, I mean, when that happens, you get into, you know, this thing called the zone. You're in the zone uh, <clears throat> and you'll be working away and you're surprised that once you step back two or three hours might have gone by and it might seem like five minutes i do that all the time yeah um, because but that's a real sign that you're really into what you're doing yeah it's, it's weird think, then I it's right. that's what that, that needs to happen to lots more people 
is that okay? This is going to sound like a really dumb question because I do that like video editing when I'm because I've just done a, a great video I'm about to release with KG Theatre. Although I'm going to hold it onto this podcast for a little bit, so it might already be out there. KG Theatre. I, I was like, okay, I'll do this video, and I'm 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 clicking away. I'm doing my things, and this is like I always say, like editing, audio editing or video editing is is my palette. This is where I paint. All right, that's yeah. what I'm doing. And like five minutes have gone by, but it's not. It's like you said, it's like three hours. Is that? It's going to sound really weird. Is that hypnotism? Have I hypnotized myself yeah, into my art? Like, it's very, very much in the same area. You're, you're, you're in a trance. Okay. I mean, most people have experienced trance. I mean, I used to get a lot of people say, you know, the usual thing, oh, you can't hypnotize me, you know, and all that. And quite frankly, with people like that, I say, well, I'm not even going to try. Because you know? you're dismissive of it, really. Yeah. But if you've sat in front of a, a, a real fire, and watch the flames. That's very common that you get images from that. And the other one, of course, which is very common, is the driving trance. When you've gone over like five roundabouts and you don't even realise you've done it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and you're in trance. Yeah, that's fantastic. You can, you can totally change time in trance. I mean, by taking regressing people back in time, you can even move people forward in time. Um, you can slow time down, which is why you can use trance for pain um, control, because you can actually slow down the time, you, or you can speed the time up with a certain suggestion. I remember um, I, was, I was speaking to a lot of um, people about well-being a couple of years ago. And uh, I was looking at, you know, I was, I was trying out hypnotism and, and little things. I mean, one of the things I still do, and I, I'll mention it on the show a few times, is the cold shower thing just today. My shower's got this amazing thing. I don't know if your shower does it too, but um, it takes forever to warm up. <laughs> so it's like, Argh! and I was in a rush. Um, but I was like, it's okay, because I, I don't mind the cold shower. But I, I, that's a good moment for me to reflect, and that's the breathing and the thing, and I feel the water going down my body. That's something I still genuinely do at least two or three times a week. Um, but with meditation, I did try, and I, I did get to a point where I, I was, it was a stressful day. I had lots going on. I was about to do a lot of filming. I was like, I need to decompress a little bit. And I tried the bit of meditation meditation and it took me it's weird i don't know i didn't i just listened to the, the the app on my phone listened to the music listened to my breathing as you're supposed to do and i wasn't putting any thoughts in my head just think about these things and i went i was i jetted back to when i was like 14 in the army cadets we'd been putting up a 12-man tent a big massive army tent thing and we'd, we'd finished putting it up and then the uh, the adult instructors were like right have a drink lie down in the sun for a bit or you know and we were lying in this tent and the winds block flapping the, the the flaps of the tent and stuff like and i was there and i, I that was just a weird thing and like you, you know you're talking about you can go back in time and go forward in time i didn't tell my mind to go there it well, just went there it's just a weird feeling for me I'm, i like to be in control <laughs> well there's a lot of uh, conjecture at the moment amongst uh, certainly um quantum physicists that time might not exist it's an illusion okay so That's an interesting concept yeah i mean there's quite a lot of information about that around. This is something called the block universe, which you'd have to check out. I mean, it's like me with my four-dimensional art. Um, I'm not up. I'm not up to speed with any of the maths behind it, or technical aspects. Uh, I'm only really up to speed with the visual side of it and how I can manipulate that and the geometry that I'm comfortable with. There's I, a... I, I'm not really, I'm not really, um, I'm not technically minded in that sense. There's a, a brilliant scene, um, I know we're short, running short on time, we've got 40 minutes ready, see? I told you it would uh, go quickly. 40 minutes ready. Is that 40 minutes? Yeah, well, but there we, you we, go, we you keep going. There's an example of yeah. what, what we're talking about. We've got a few more minutes. Uh, there's uh, the most recent up-to-date, um, uh, up up you know, um, example of um, geometry meeting art and um, the maths and the clever thinking behind it is um, is the latest Spider-Man movie, Spider-Man um, uh, No Way Home. Right. And Spider-Man fights Doctor Strange. And you normally Doctor Strange like, I'll destroy you, I'll destroy you. And he fights... 
Peter Parker who shoots webs, right? And he throws him into the mirror dimension and everything is multiplied by eight or something, I think it is. And it's all spiraling around him. And they're on this train, they're fighting. And Peter Parker goes, okay, so it's eight times this. And if this, so if I if I spin my webs here, 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 and here and pull them together like this. And he traps Doctor Strange inside this universe and jumps out, grabs his ring and jumps out. And I was like, he beat Doctor Strange with geometry and maths. And I thought that was really, really clever, you know? Yeah. yeah I know. I'll have to see it. Yes, fantastic. Um, but your art here is here at The Hive. Um, how long has it been here? Uh, it's been here since uh, last Friday, the 2nd, and it's uh, it's here till the 28th. Fantastic. And but, but The Hive is open Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Have you have you have you um, been able to speak to many people looking at your art, young people, old people? Have you been able to talk a lot about it? Well, um, I did a talk on Wednesday where I had uh, about a dozen people here who'd signed up to come and listen. Um, but um, obviously, because I live some way away from here, uh, I can't get here every day. Yeah. I can't get here every day. Yeah, um, is, is it nice to think that you could you could inspire the next John Rag out there in the world? Well, um, it's funny that you should say that because um, until recently there was another John Rag. Oh, really? <laughs> spelt exactly the same way that my name is and round about the same age. And we had checked each other out. Uh, and funny enough, I had two friends up from London who'd come see the exhibition who knew the other John Rag, who was now dead. So um, he died not long back. So, as far wow. as I, so, I think I'm the only John Rag artist around at the moment. But you know, I'm sure there's room for another one. Will the real John Rags please stand up? Um, yeah, I did that a while ago. I found somebody else called Alex Whiteley. He was a Canadian, <coughs> Canadian chap. Yeah, and he's like. Uh, this is the early days of Facebook. You need to be careful adding random people on the internet. And I was like, well, you got the same name, bro. We should definitely create a clan. Um, <laughs> fantastic. Um, and what would you, what would you say to, to anybody that's come to see your article? By the way, this is one thing I wanted to say to you is, um, I've never been able to do 3D pictures. You know, when you stare and you blow your eyes and then there's a picture hidden behind them. I've never been able to do them. Don't know why. Tried loads of different methods. Can't do them. Do you mean you can't get the image from them? Yeah. When you look. Yeah, you know, there's an image hidden behind the 3D pictures, the yeah. magic art, whatever Yeah, the ones that, uh, that you don't use glasses for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And, and um, I've I'll never have been... I'll spend about 10 minutes with you and I'll show you how to do it. Oh, okay. That'd be really good because um, there's a there's a, an ongoing joke for one of my favourite movies, which is uh, Jay and Silent Bob uh, reboot. Um, and there's a guy, um, Ethan Suplee, staring at this uh, this thing. He's been there for days. He's brought his packed lunch and he's trying to get to see the boat, the sailboat that's behind the thing. Um, and I've never, never been able to do it. But your art, some of your artwork, it feels like I'm looking at one of those paintings or one of those drawings yeah. and it's automatically done for me. I, I'm I love really that. I'm glad you said that because um, what I'm very interested in is the latent image, the image that's lying behind or below the surface. And I think that uh, the kind of structures, I, as you've just said, uh, enable those kind of qualities to be brought out. I mean, I use, um, I use a certain form that quite often called the Necker cube, which is the cube that when you look at it as a drawing or as an image, seems to reverse. Ah. I'm sure you've seen it. Yeah. It's very interesting, that, because there's a book by a mathematician called Rudy Rucker who talks about that, and he maintains, and I tend to agree with him, that that is a glimpse of the fourth dimension. When you see that cube reverse, what he's actually doing, it's reversing around the plane of vision. Mm. And the only objects that can do that are four-dimensional objects. So when that cube neckerizes you're getting a a glimpse of the fourth dimension i had a, a biology teacher years ago i went to school in wrexham in north wales um and he taught me how to find my blind spot and he was like um so you draw i think you draw an x on the top left hand and then you draw um and then you go sort of like south east to the bottom of the page draws a dot and then you stare at the cross and the, the dot disappears and he's like that's your blind spot right there and I was, that's just a little visual um, stimulant or, or 
in that case, unstimulant. I don't know what that was. Um, it, it, that is. That is just fantastic. Blows my mind. And I love, I love a, a good bit of visual art. You know, that messes with your head a little bit. Yeah. I mean, everybody likes that. I like those, um, those, uh, those color blotch things. You know, where you, <laughs> I think it's one of those tests to see if you're colorblind. Oh, and like you, the Roache ink blot tests. Yeah. Well, no. The, yeah. There's them. But where the, you, you put the Roache, and then you, yeah, and then you open it. Yeah, 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 and then you see a bunny or something more sinister. If John, I've loved chatting to you. We'll have to do this again because I've—I I mean, we're coming up 50, 50 minutes, and I don't want to keep you too long. You know, you've got a busy day, but this—I've got nothing else to do today. Oh, me too. Let's do another forty-five minutes, especially to see you. <laughs> do you know what I'm holding right now? Is in my hand is a copy of my Shrewsbury, and it's got drawn written on it. And this is a, a an event um, put together by Sheree Gerard. Um, and it's uh, it's it's a great event. It's, by the time this goes out, by the way, this will be after the, the fact. So I'm not plugging the event right now. But it's it's an event where local artists come and they set up a table and they sell their wares. Um, and there's also workshops going on. Um, do you get involved with things like this? I mean, because it's a good place to meet young artists or even artists that have been doing this for a while. Is, is there a community of artists that you are a part of locally? I'm not a member of a community of artists uh at the moment, I live in Oaken Gates. Uh, we have a theatre there. Of course, that, yeah. That shows nothing practically except tribute acts. It's got an art gallery inside it that doesn't show art. I have talked to certain people about it. There isn't a community. Uh, before living in Oaken Gates, I was living in Spain, where I'd lived for six years. And I started a community there where I was living because there wasn't one, and it's now thriving. It's got over 600 members. Uh, and I wish I'd very much like to be part of something like that. But I'm really, really on my own where I live now because that's how it is. It's okay. Um, I don't mind uh, because I'm really focused on, you know, what I'm doing and trying to get as much work done before the curtain falls. Well, I would I'd definitely recommend Drawn to you just to come up because it's not, it's a free arts fair. It's on the 24th and 25th of September. It's in the museum here. Um, it's not, it's uh, well, I'm not being, um, I'm not being elitist in any way at all, but I mean, I did as well as doing my own art, which I kept apart from the two breaks that I've told yeah, you about, yeah. I exhibited widely, I was a member of this, a member of that, I was teaching. I've had enough of teaching, I've had enough of... I just want to focus on what I'm doing and what's left of the time I've got. Oh, that's wonderful, though. It's good that you've um, you've got a singular focus. Yeah. Because I do say to people, sometimes you've got, to, you've got to do that, you know. It's nothing selfish about it. You need to be able to focus on you and doing what you're doing for a little bit. Well, it's like your parents, isn't it? I mean, they spent, uh, you know, God knows how many years bringing you up and... They deserve to have that time. Running off, yeah. running off you... You know, it's time uh, that, you know, their time after you've got to a certain age, isn't it? It doesn't happen that often now, does it? I mean, kids are still at home when they're 30 or 40. <laughs> but, you know, yeah, you're, you can't spend your whole life caring for others. You've got to care for... The blues song says you can't... Uh, you can't. What is it? You can't do nothing for nobody until you've done it with yourself. Exactly. You can't yeah. make it with yeah. nobody yeah. until you make it with yourself. Yeah. And this is um, this is why I'm a huge advocate for you know going out there and getting mental health support because you know um, that I, you know if you've got serious mental health issues and this seems like a weird segue but it kind of ties in you know is that if you do have mental health issues that you need to address that is probably more important than anything else that's going on in your life right now because you can't be of a stable mind to to go to work um, to do the rat race to, to, to focus on your art to do what you need to do if you if you're not right up in there up in the mind so it's good sometimes to be a bit put, think about yourself a little bit absolutely and go out there and do what you need to do um, yeah, it's a question of balance isn't it you yes. give you take and you give you know that's what life's about Look or up. should be this room, by the way, in the hive is very fantastic. It's, the sound in here is fantastic, but I'm looking at all the variation of um, instruments I've got here. It's yeah, really, it's really cool pretty place. good, isn't it? It's very nice. We well, can start you. a band. Absolutely. <laughs> um, if somebody wanted to see some of your work, are, are you online? Um, have you got stuff online? John Rag, all lowercase, one word. John Rag, uh, what was it? 
John Rank dot. Should we have a look? Yeah. Do you know? Is it dot co dot uk dot com? I think it's uh, John Rag dot com. John, should we have a John Rag? Uh, I have these blockages sometimes. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, it's absolutely fine. Uh, John Rag. This is me. Uh, this is my 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 googling um, silence. Um, so, John John Rag artist. I'll put. Let's see what comes up. See if you're Googleable. Have you ever Googled yourself before? I've done that a couple of times. Um, there's a there's a, something here from the Royal Academy of Arts. And the, no, that's the other John Rag that we were talking about. Uh, JohnRag.net. That's it. JohnRag.net. Found it, guys. JohnRag.net. And Sorry, yes, temporary no, blockage solved. Oh no, it's fine. I do it all the time. When I come on a podcast, sometimes I, I forget the most simple things. I'm on Facebook as well, John Rag Art, and I'm on Instagram, Rag82. And can people buy prints of your of your work as well? Yeah, I've got, uh, I've got copies of prints here uh, for sale. Yes. Um, the ones that are framed are a bit more expensive, but I've got uh, prints in the rack that are unframed. Nice, wonderful. And I love your work, by the way. We were just doing a, a TikTok, that, like I mentioned at the beginning of the show, and I'm panning across the room at John's work and there's one right dead centre and it, I mean, it's really striking to look at anyway, but like it just did something weird to the camera. I showed you, didn't I? You did. And as we were panning across this this huge painting, it just seems to just, uh, take a look at it on, 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 the, on the social media. This is me trying to plug my thing. It's just mind-blowing. It messes with your eyes and does some crazy stuff. It takes you on a journey. Yeah, it really does. So thank you for 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 bringing you up to, to Shrewsbury and, and showing people. And you've, I've no doubt, with, you know, goes without saying that you've, you've definitely sort of inspired people with your art today, this week. On well, thanks very much. I mean, thanks for this opportunity. Uh, Do you know what? You're welcome on the great show. Great talking to you. Uh, you're welcome on the show anytime. I love speaking to local artists. Um, and Oakengate is not too far away. Can, you know, Shrewsbury and 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 Telford, Oakengates, we can kind of all enjoy enjoy each other. Company. It's a good bus service. It's a good bus. <laughs> <laughs> we won't, we can't get into that in Shrewsbury at the moment. There's a few issues going on there. And thank you to Andy McEwen as well. Um, yeah, he's a nice guy. Yeah, um, I'll be seeing him on Tuesday. You're going to go to his studio, aren't you? Yeah, I am. It's, take some of my stuff with him and, as he said, come and play. Take a packed lunch because you're going to need it because there's so many cool toys to, to play with. Yeah. Um, and uh, thank you so much. Um, what we'll do is, um, before we get out of here, I do want to tell you guys, Hold on. Actually, this is going out in October. I'm going to put this at the beginning of October. So Pod Aid's already happened. So uh, thanks for tuning to Pod Aid, guys. I hope uh, I hope we raised thousands of pounds for Lincoln Davis. It's weird not having to mention that. It's great. It's like muscle memory. Usually I do it on the end of every podcast. But uh, <coughs> thank you to everybody that was supportive uh, with, with Pod Aid. Um, you know the listeners, um, the people that donated, the companies that got involved. Uh, love to stay for letting us use your amazing venue uh, to Rocking Horse Media for the cameras and to Reach for making us look fantastic and Lingen Davis too because I know we did this for Lingen Davis but they've been an amazing help throughout so um, John thank you for chatting to me uh, thank you for listening guys and we will catch you next time my pleasure great <laughs> <laughs>